Well, he has been a staple in the 1st Assembly District and uh, vying to keep his post in 13 days. You know him well. His name is Fred Thiel. Nice enough to give us a couple of minutes uh, here on a Wednesday morning. Sir, how are you? I haven't spoken to you in a while. Hey, Jay. How's it going? Good to talk to you. And uh, I, I, I took interest in the last uh, uh, segment when you, you're talking about one of my favorite teams of all time, the New York Knickerbockers of the late 1960s and early 1970s. Well, I tell you, I don't want to date myself too much, uh, but uh, man, I'll tell you, <laughs> well, uh, back in the was, day, uh, back in the day, that, that, that was a team. That was a team. That was, that was the Busher and Brown and those guys. A little later for me, but I'll tell you, um, you know, Clyde number ten, the Busher, uh, Bradley, Bill Bradley, the great Bill Bradley, number twenty-four. Uh, he put his name in the uh, landscape of politics a little bit later on, right? Uh, yep. On the Red Holtzman, some of the great Bill Jackson. One of the greats, yeah, you know, it was about you know, defense. Just, uh, it was about defense, you know, those great teams. You know, playing defense and uh, kind of unlike today's NBA. There's not as much focus on nah, but uh, Anyway, you know, it's, uh, baseball's over in New York, so, uh, you know, I guess we turn ourselves to other, other sports, I guess, including politics. Including politics and a big election coming up, uh, friend, in 13 days. Just wondering uh, – did you did you catch the only debate that we will see here in the Empire State as far as governor of New York is concerned? Did you catch any of it? I, I did watch it last night. It was not easy to find it. Uh, you know, no, finally it found it on New York New York One, but you know, usually there's a little bit broader uh, uh, distribution of, of this, these debates. But yes, I did see it, and uh, you know, it's unfortunate that there weren't there aren't going to be more than one because I think. Uh, you know, I know. I know. Just in my campaign, we probably had half a dozen, and that's just running for the assembly. And I think uh, voters would have benefited from um, more uh, debates among the candidates for statewide office. But the one we got was the one we saw last night. No question. Uh, give me an overall Freddie Feel assessment uh, at around eight oh four or so when it was all said and done. <laughs> Well, uh, to, to continue with our, our sports analogies this morning, uh, you know, I texted one of my friends. Uh, no knockouts in, in, the, in the debate. I thought that both candidates pretty much adhered to the message that they've been putting forth throughout the campaign. Uh, I don't think anybody made any news last night. Um, you know, the incumbent, you know, the Governor Hochul has to defend her record, and uh, Lee Zeldin, you know, was on the attack, and, you know, the issues he was talking about were crime in the economy and uh, the issues that, you know, Kathy Hochul was, was talking about certainly was also the economy, uh, no. but, uh, you know, the issue of abortion and things of that nature. So I didn't think anybody wandered too far from uh, what uh, has been the essence of each of the campaigns. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure many minds were convinced last night one way or another, but, uh, I, I w- you know, I wish they'd do it at least one more time. Uh, and, and, and a little bit more freewheeling format uh you know where uh you know you, you get uh, maybe more than just participation from uh from albany journalists but um you know that's the way i saw it last night you know i i, I didn't see anything being a game changer last night i just think they they each kind of reinforced their uh the message that they've been giving throughout the campaign i kind of saw it a little bit different fred um i i saw it as a, a guy who only knew he was getting one shot that of lee zeldin with with Kathy Hogan, I think he made the most of the of the hour. I really did, and I thought he put the final nail in the coffin regarding these nursing homes. 
And you really didn't get a lot of information from Kathy Hochul. You know, all you got was, you know, different groups are still investigating and everything else. Um, it kind of left her a little egg on the face as that was kind of well, the final blow, I thought. Uh, yeah, you and, and I that's, talked about that's, a, that's a category home. a lot of people, you know, want to know about. A lot of people who yeah, lost he, loved ones. You and I have talked about, we talked yep. about the nursing home issue during the pandemic. Obviously, you know, uh, you know, big mistakes were made. But more, you know, from my perspective, you know, even greater than that was really the way it was covered up and not not dealt with honestly. Uh, you know, the numbers were fudged, and uh, there should be accountability for that. I mean, you know, the governor resigned, you know, and and uh, uh, you know, some people have moved on, but that, you know, the people, the families that were impacted by that, they deserve answers. Uh, and uh, you know, I think that uh, more needs to be done there, and. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of investigations and all of that, but, you know, we need action, and there needs to be accountability. Those that lied to the public about what was going on. My colleague, Ron Kim, from New York City, has really been, the fo- you know, kind of a, on the, the focus of this, the tip of the spear. You know, he's still out there demanding answers, and, you know, I, as one of his colleagues, have supported him every step of the way, you know, when, when he's uh, tried to, you know, marshal his colleagues together. So, um, you know, one of the issues last night was that, and, uh, you know, I agree, there needs to be, you know, not just investigations, but there needs to be accountability for those that, that lied to the public and misled the public about what was going on. No, no question. Fred Field with us, buying for re-election in the First Assembly. Fred, give me an idea. You've been at this a long time. Has the landscape changed for you as far as concern? from the base, the constituency? What are, what are they kind of sounding off on? Has it changed regarding the the overall temperature of those concerns? Give me an idea. Yeah, I, listen, I, I think coming out of the out of the pandemic, you know, there, there's still, you know, a lot of angst out there, you know, certainly about the economy. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, you know, we on the East End in particular, you know, uh, we've, exi- we've actually seen population growth um over the last uh, few years i have the fastest growing assembly district in the state so unlike many parts of the state people want to come to my district because we've done a good job i think at at uh p- promoting community character so you know but you know that brings its own problems and you know the issues that that people are talking about on the east end are economic related issues small businesses being able to find enough staff you know you, you had restaurants for example you know the, the hospitality industry where you know you, you've got record crowds out here but but restaurants were closed for lunch because they couldn't find staff uh so i think you know that is an issue certainly for small businesses uh small businesses are also concerned about unemployment insurance rates one of the things that hasn't been done that should be done is we should be paying down the, the debt on the unemployment insurance and not passing it on to small businesses so I think, you know, staffing and whether you're talking about small businesses or the local hospital, school districts, everybody's having difficulty finding employees. And a lot of that comes down to affordable housing. And I think that is something that everybody's talking about. There's a referendum in four of the five towns on the ballot this November, uh, you know, to kind of mirror the community preservation fund that's been so successful and to provide some funding for affordable housing. So, you know, certainly people are, are talking about that. You know, property taxes continue to be an issue that everybody wants to talk about. So I think there's, you know, there's, even though our our economy out on the East End, you know, unemployment is virtually nil, um, but, you know, 
small business are having trouble existing because they can't find employees. And because of inflation and, and, and the cost of business, you know, their, their costs are also increasing at the same time. So I think primarily the focus is, is a lot on, on economics. It's also, as it always is on the East End, is, you know, about community character. You know, we, we, certainly there's issues with regard to water quality. Uh, we need to do more there. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, but I, I think a lot of the focus is on, on, on the economy, just as it is across the rest of the state. I just think the issues are slightly different out on the East End because, you know, the economy is booming. But it, it is, uh, you know, small businesses are having trouble dealing with the lack of employees and, and the issues re- re- relating to affordability. Affordable housing, and I was going to bring that up to you if you didn't mention it. I mean, that is a massive issue out there, especially in your neck of the woods. Uh, there's been a lot of back and forth. Uh, East Hampton as well. There's been a lot going on as far as conversation is concerned. A lot of people have different viewpoints. But I think in your neck of the woods... This topic has been accentuated more than any other area on Long Island, you know? Yeah, I think that's true. I think housing is an issue across Long Island, across the state, probably across the nation, but on the East End in particular because there's such a demand for second homes and their ability to out-compete local families, you know, and the pandemic just accelerated that. People fled New York City during the pandemic. They wanted to be someplace safe, and the East End is that place. It's a beautiful place. It's a safe place. Uh, but that creates issues for the, for the locals. What happens is, you know, there's less housing inventory because of people buying up second homes, and they've driven up the price. I mean, prices were already high out here uh, before the pandemic. You know, the median price of a house on the on the South Fork was probably around nine hundred thousand dollars, and probably on the North Fork was about six hundred thousand dollars. And you know, there's nary a house on the South Fork that's less than a million dollars now. So. You know, for a local family just getting started, you know, it's difficult. And that's why this referendum is on the ballot, because if we can't keep our local families, if we don't have people for the uh, our, our fire departments, our, amb- our volunteer ambulance services to, you know, to work in small businesses, uh, you know, to work at the hospital, you know, to have your school teachers live in your community, you know, we will have preserved, you know, land, we will preserve water, but we won't have preserved the people that that make the that's the most basic resource of the community and that's you know kind of as we as we're looking at the campaign yes it's about candidates but i think on the south work uh for the towns that are ha- that have the housing referendum that you know they've got to flip over the ballot i always tell people you know i, I think the front of the ballot is really important because my name is on it but you know people should flip over the ballot there's three propositions there and the local one is on housing and uh you know doing nothing is not an option so uh so, yeah, I, you know, as you said, what, what are people talking about? What are they thinking about housing? Certainly probably at the top of that list. Yeah. And, you know, and, and really, you know, when you think of housing, you think of economic development and you think of the environment, at least to the point where businesses could generate a lot of income. Now, listen, I get it. The shortages and everything else against them. But really, you know, when you get back to that housing issue, you think about development overall from an economic standpoint in the East End, you know, Fred? That's really, I think, yeah, important. And, and, you know, in the environment, we're one of the few places where the environment and the economy go together. People come and, and want to live out there because of the quality of the environment. And, uh, you know, how, you know, and, and it, it, you know, people talk about the East End. They say, oh, you have a tourist-based economy. Well, we really don't. Uh, you know, it's not a bunch of 
you know, chain hotels and motels out there. What we really have is a second home economy. And, uh, you know, that's what, you know, whether it's the real estate brokers or uh, the local plumbers and builders and carpenters, it's that second home industry that they depend on. It's been a, a staple of the local economy. But there are consequences. And as I said, you know, if, if uh, second homeowners can outbid local families, you know, that's where this housing issue comes from. So we need to find the balance. You know, hopefully the referendum will help us find that balance. Assemblyman Fred Field, five for re-election, and ladies and gentlemen, the first uh, district. You know, you bring up water quality and everything else, and I know you have been uh, very, very, uh, you know, intense, Fred, as far as, you know, making people accountable. You know, chemicals that pose a very serious threat to the underground uh, aquifers that supply our very own drinking water here on the island. Um, and unfortunately, because of this, you know, a lot of us pay higher rates taxes you know to kind of clean up the contamination and that's caused by you know irresponsible polluters out there and i know you've been sounding off on that but to me that is a a big point as far as you know the quality and everything else that we've been discussing here for years yeah no question and you know listen you you know the the issues with declining water quality or something that we've been trying to fight for years one of the big uh uh culprits with all of this is, have been these emerging chemicals, you know, PFAS, PFOA, you know, uh, these chemicals that seem to be everywhere. Uh, I've had three or four projects just in the last three years in my district where public water needed to be extended because of pollution from these chemicals to, uh, to you know, pr- people's private wells. And, and the, you're, you're right. The, the question is, who pays? And in my opinion, it shouldn't be the taxpayer that pays. It should be the polluter that pays. And as you mentioned, you know, one bill was signed into law this year that uh, that adjusts and corrects the statute of limitations so that organizations like the Suffolk County Water Authority can seek redress from these chemical companies. So it's them that are paying, you know, for uh, cleaning up pollution and not the taxpayers. And the other one bill that we passed that hopefully... Uh, the governor will sign is a bill that I'll, I'll give you an example in uh, in East Quag we had to extend public water and part of it was paid for by by state uh, with a state grant from water quality infrastructure fund that's why it's there to get to get water to people as quickly as possible but you know under le- this new legislation you know if the water authority does win uh, you know they're they're going to be able to get that money back also from the polluter and then reimburse the state so so that that money can be used elsewhere. So, yeah, the concept is polluter pays, and, you know, they should be paying, not taxpayers, you know, to make sure that we have clean drinking water. Question about it. Fred Thiel with us. A couple of minutes remain. You know, one final thought here, Fred, and that goes back to, you know, the whole idea of economic development. Uh, it starts with infrastructure. I mean, one only has to drive... You know, you go along Montauk Highway, backed up, Southampton, West Hampton, no infrastructure, structure, cellular uh, service, cable road. Without any of that, you can't have any type of development. Uh, what about that aspect as far as Southampton, the West Hampton? A lot of people have been complaining about that. Yeah, a couple of things. One is one is we've got the, the South Fork commuter connection uh, re-established and people are able to use that as an alternative. The only complaint I get about the South Fork commuter connection is that there isn't enough service. And I've been highly critical and will continue to be highly critical 
of the Long Island Railroad. Uh, they need to spend some money on infrastructure. We don't need a whole second track for the South Fork or the North Fork. Right. All they have to do is construct four or five sidings, S-I-D-I-N-G, uh, so that trains can pass each other. So instead of having two trains each morning and, and going east and two trains going back west in the afternoon, instead of having two, you know, you could have six or eight or ten trains. And then, you know, when it, when you have more frequent service, people are more, more are more likely to use it. So that's one aspect of it. The second is something that the towns are working on, uh, uh, particularly the town of Southampton, Charlie McArdle, the highway superintendent, Jay Schneiderman, the supervisor, about blinking all of the lights in the morning so that traffic can pass through. And, of course, it, 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 it's labor-intensive because you have to have people at each of these intersections. But they're running a pilot project this week. And, you know, some of the initial reaction to this is that, is that it has helped to speed up traffic and move traffic through that corridor. So I think, you know, those kinds of creative ideas are the things that we need to do. And, you know, my role with that, working with the town, was just to make sure that the DOT would uh, have no objection and would, would, would okay, you know, being able to, to blink the lights, and they did. And so we'll see how that, how that works out. And, you know, the last thing you mentioned, of course, is uh, Wi-Fi. And, you know, this is one of those dilemmas that you reach where everybody wants Wi-Fi service, but nobody wants the towers. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we have to try to try to find the, the balance there. Uh, you know, Wi-Fi, self-service, as you said, critical to economic development, critical for emergency services. Um, and, uh, you know, so we need to have this infrastructure. And, uh, you know, I think towns have to find, you know, those locations and work harder, you know, to find locations to provide this service because, uh, you know, it's, the electricity or the telephone of prior generations. You have to have Wi-Fi and you have to have cell service. Day and age, no question. It becomes a a massive uh, topic of of conversation. And you know, the lack of reliable service, cell service throughout the East End, multiple dead spots uh, in the critical part of the destruction of the government, it really frustrates a lot. And of course, these companies. I mean, it's detrimental to not only the personal side that self-service provides. But, you know, you talk about first responders and everything else, you know, I kind of cringe at that aspect as far as heavily relying on communication, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it probably, you know, listen, it, it's important for business, it's important for people personally, but the, the most critical part here is emergency services. Um, you know, if, if there ever was an emergency um, at, you know, at a local school or, you know, there's a big fire, you know, our emergency service workers have to be able to communicate. And, uh, you know, so that, to me, that's, that's why this is it's so important. And, uh, you know, it is, you know, and, and to be, you know, to, on the other side of it, for, for years and years, you know, the Verizons of the world, the Optimus of the world, they, they didn't want to build the infrastructure out east because they didn't think there was enough money in it. Well, you know, now with the population increase, they want to do it. But, you know, there's community resistance. So we have to work through that. We need these services. Our firefighters, our ambulance workers all need uh, communications. And, uh, you know, that'll be a, a, a top issue, I think, on the East End, you know, going forward also. Fred, we will uh, follow your track as you make way for uh, Election Day. Uh, all in all, um, one other thing I just wanted to kind of leave you with, and that is the airport. You know, that's another, that's another aspect that I, I just thought of. Uh, you know, where you have the airport, which is a critical link for emergencies as well as an economic generator. 
uh, for the town. Uh, I mean, that is another hot topic as far as, you know, shutting down that, that airport out there uh, in Wayne Scott. Um, where are we at with everything right now regarding this? Well, because I know a lot of people right, have that on their like mind. Too, like too many things these days, it's mired in, in litigation. And, you know, the town uh, just, again, lost another critical lawsuit. They lost one at Truck Beach. Their uh, track record uh, on these lawsuits hasn't been great. Uh, so... Uh, you know, Judge Baisley basically threw out their proposal to convert the airport into a private use airport. So, yeah, my suspicion is that the litigation will will, will go on. But I, you know, I think it's an opportunity here. Uh, you know, again, to find the right balance. And uh, you know, that airport. Um, you know, there there, there needs to be the, the airport has been certainly something that you know has has had benefits for the town. Uh, like too many things, it's, it grew too fast, and it's really had a lot of impacts. There needs to be reasonable regulation of the airport, and I'm hoping that maybe with this decision, it will provide an opportunity for all the parties to once again come together and to try to find those reasonable regulations where you know you can find that middle ground where you know community, you know the communities and neighborhoods and and uh, pilots can, can find that sweet spot uh, where they can all coexist. And I think it's an important discussion, and it takes common sense because, you know, you have the socialites and the rich going against the fine folks uh, of, the, uh, of, the, of the East End. And listen, noise is a big factor, noise pollution. I mean, that's yeah, as big a listen, factor as there is uh, to me know, as water pollution is. Yeah, when we talk about good, quality. Be a good neighbor, too, but, you know, you know yeah. listen, hopefully you can find that, that middle ground. Yeah, it has to be a uh, middle ground somewhere. Know, and, and it finds uh, both the fans uh, and the town. No question. You'll see him on the ballot independence line, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, come November the 8th, we will have Fred on prior to the election as well. Um, 13 days out. Uh, Fred, we wish you the best, and we'll talk soon. How's that? Hey, thanks a lot, Jay. It's good to talk to you.